My name is Mark Pollard. I'm Professor of Archaeological Science in the University of Oxford, the Edward Hall Professor of Archaeological Science. I'm Director of the Research Laboratory for Archaeology and the History of Art and currently Chair of the School of Archaeology. So, can you explain the work of archaeological science? Well, it's a complicated story really, but basically it's uh, the application of all sorts of sciences to understand uh, problems in archaeology and it's basically using science to better understand the history of human behaviour. So what would a student expect to do if he or she were reading uh, archaeology and anthropology or any of the degrees? At the undergraduate level we basically just introduce the role of science in archaeology. We have introductory lectures on um, uh, material science in archaeology, on biological studies in archaeology and of course uh, on dating in archaeology which are the three main areas that we concentrate on here in Oxford. Um, undergraduates can choose to do a, a dissertation in these areas if they wish to. Uh, but um, our main um, uh, student body are postgraduates. We teach an MSc in archaeological science and we also have a range of DPhil students in archaeological science. So at the very beginning, um, how much of a scientific background would you hope that uh, a student might have? <laughs> well, <coughs> ideally we'd like them to have done uh, science to a high level in school but also be his interested in history and archaeology uh, but in reality we often get students who have done either relatively strong sciences and who want to apply their scientific knowledge in archaeology or we get students who've come from the humanities background but who can see the the value of, of science in archaeology and, and then we, we encourage them to, to learn the, the scientific background that they need. And in my experience, uh, the best students are, are capable of doing that. It isn't as difficult, I think, as some people uh, would claim it to be. And when did you become interested in archaeology? 1972. That's a precise date. Is that a, uh, an archaeologically scientific date? <laughs> uh, yes, it's precise to the year. Um, yes, I went to the Tutankhamun exhibition in London uh, when it was here in 1972. I was one of the uh, long-haired students queuing for eight hours to get into the Tutankhamun exhibition and it was just completely spectacular. And I went on, uh, the, I was just going to university then and I went on to do a degree in physics um, and I love physics, uh, physics is wonderful, um, but I wasn't interested in becoming a physicist in that sense. And I, I did my degree in York and in the early 1970s there were a lot of excavations going on in the city of York. And I volunteered over the summer to, to take part in some of the York Archaeological Trust excavations. And it was a new world to me. Um, Physicists, I'm not sure I should say this really, physicists can be slightly dull. Um, not all of them, of course, uh, but, um, but the, the quality of the parties was definitely much higher within York Archaeological Trust. So I was attracted to archaeology as, as a way of applying a science, um, but in an area that I was just fascinated by.
how did that lead into your professional life? Well, the world was different in the 1970s. I finished my undergraduate degree in physics in 1975, and I was um, thinking I'd like to do something with an archaeological material culture background. And it just so happened at the time, at, in the same university, in the same department of physics, I got the chance to do a PhD on the corrosion and degradation of medieval window glass from York Minster. Oh, wow. And I thought, that sounds interesting, I'll do that. Mm. So I did that. And so ever since 1975, I've always worked on archaeological cultural heritage material. And it, it just grew from there. I, um, I finished my PhD in 1978 and uh, went to a conference, in, which was in Bradford too, and I met uh, Teddy Hall, who was my predecessor at the uh, research lab, the founder of the research lab. And I cornered Teddy over a glass of champagne at the reception and said, uh, I, I'm just about to finish a PhD in physics and I want to work in archaeology. When can I start? And Teddy being Teddy said, well, well said, what do you know about Chinese ceramics? I said, um, nothing, but I can learn. And he said, oh, well, come down next week and we'll talk about it. And that was it, really. I just started in 1978. That's fantastic. And... But that was your first project, working on Chinese ceramics? Uh, yeah, my first, uh, because it was, Teddy Hall was a great collector of Chinese ceramics and a lover of Chinese ceramics, so I started work on the technology of Chinese porcelain, um, started by analysing material from the Ashmolean Museum, looking at the differences between um, <coughs> porcelain made in North and South China and then focusing on Jingdezhen and looking at the... Um, the composition of the bodies and the glazes and the pigments that we used and the, what was really interesting there of course is on Chinese material you have a lot of documentary evidence going back into the uh, Ming Dynasty and earlier and we were able to correlate our chemical analyses with the recipes that the uh, Chinese writers had said they were using so we were able to tie up literary sources with the objects that we were we were finding now. So. I just thought that was wonderful. Could you describe the, the, the sort of technology you would be using as a, as a scientist to explore these um, pigments and, and traces? Well, basically my background is in analytical chemistry, uh, really. And so we were applying the techniques of instrumental chemical analysis to modern Chinese, to, to Chinese ceramics. And um, at the time we were using X-ray fluorescence and atomic absorption spectrometry, which were cutting edge in the 1970s and 80s, but of course have been pretty well superseded now. But it was a, a relatively straightforward application of analytical chemistry, but it was different in the sense that archaeological material it creates its own challenges. You've got to limit the amount of sample that you can take and you've got to get as much information as you can from small samples. And if you can, you've got to be non-destructive. So it's, uh, although it's a, a relatively straightforward application, uh, using analytical chemistry and archaeological material, it creates its own interests and challenges, which are still going today, really. Yes, yes, because you would have, always have the curators breathing down your neck. And, the uh, curators and the conservators sort of hovering around looking, uh, looking terror-stricken when you get out your drill to take a hole in a 15th century Ming 
15th century porcelain. Mm. And about how much of a sample would you need? Oh, a few tens of milligrams, but it still, it still needs uh, sampling. Can you talk about something that you really enjoyed doing? What was your, I mean, you would say to archaeologists, what was your most memorable discovery, but what was your most sort of uh, breakthrough moment or wow moment? Well, I suppose I've been working for the, the area, I've worked on metals and glass and pottery and um, organic materials uh, since then, but I suppose I always keep going back to Chinese ceramics and we, we have a current project uh, in China looking at the environmental impact of um, large-scale production of ceramics on the environment in the area where the kilns were. So. Um, there's always something new to do, so mm. I think uh, Chinese ceramics and, and China is an area I always go back to. So we always go back to the, 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 the phrase that archaeology means travel. Do you go to, to, to China? Oh, yes. Frequently? Yes. Uh, reasonably regularly. Yeah. But, uh, and is this a link project with other universities? Or, or? Um, well, the, the, the particular project I'm uh, talking about now is a collaboration with Nigel Wood who's at um, Westminster University here in London but also with the environmental science department at Beijing University. Um, they've helped us take environmental samples and interpret the data. So How's your Chinese? Uh, it's as good as it was when I started really. <laughs> so you've talked about China. Um, is there a time period or a particular aspect apart from ceramics that um, well the beauty of, like. of being a scientist working in archaeology is that the the techniques that we use apply anywhere in the world and any time period so I've worked on material from most parts of the world in one form or another and also in time periods from the upper paleolithic through to the 19th century so um, you, because we're sort of, in a sense, technique driven, um, it means that you can work almost anywhere on almost anything. Um, that's not to say that the the quality of the archaeological question isn't isn't the prime consideration, but uh, um, you can work in a very wide range of time periods and places. And and how are you approached for this research? Are you approached by uh, universities, museums, businesses? Um, private uh, well private um, I guess it it can work either way a lot of it is self-generated sort of um, projects that I or colleagues in Oxford uh, work together on and think this will be interesting to do and you know so that we generate the projects and then get the money for them hopefully and go out and do them um, but occasionally we get contacts from all over the world um, saying we're starting a project in Angkor, for instance, um, the, uh, from from Australia, and saying you know we'd like you to take part to look at to look at the ceramic material. So we say, okay, that sounds good. I'll do that. And would you describe archaeology then as a science or a social science? What an interesting question. How long do we have? <laughs> um, uh, I suppose the standard answer is that 
archaeology is about understanding the human past. So in that sense, it's a humanity stroke social science. Um, the techniques that, that I'm trained in and use come primarily from the sciences. But I do quite strongly believe that the, the value, they're only of value if they um, help us understand something about human behaviour, human society in the past. So I think it, I, I, mean, I genuinely think it bridges the two. It's one of the few um, disciplinary areas where you can cross over from you know, analytical chemistry or biochemistry. You can cross over into human behaviour. And what really, what excites me now more is, is I think the realisation that you can't simply, for instance, understand human technological development from a scientific point of view because humans don't work like that. And that, you know, if you look at something like the adoption of, of bronze in the early Bronze Age, it simply isn't enough to say that bronze was better than stone, so they used bronze. Um, because in the early periods it probably wasn't better than stone. It's something else that's driving technological change and that's very much uh, human society, human behaviour. Um, it's about, almost sometimes about magic I think. You know, it's uh, I, I have control of this material and therefore I'm a, a powerful person, you don't want to mess around with me sort of thing. I guess it's the Bronze Age equivalent of driving a Ferrari. I think we need to get much better at bridging the cultural and technological gap, uh, CP those two worlds almost. I think we've got to get much better at doing that. Um, but I think we also have to, um, we have a duty if you like to apply scientific methods to archaeological material because um, the nature of archaeology is that we reconstruct human behaviour from material culture. That's basically all we have left. In anthropology, of course, you can go along and, and ask the, the potter what he or she is doing and why he or she is using these materials rather than those materials. But in archaeology, all we have is the material. And I think um, we have a duty to extract as much information as we can. And some of that is technical. Uh, not all of it, but some of it is technical. And the trick then is to combine the technical information with the art historical information, if it's decorated pottery, or with the um, with other forms of archaeological evidence. So I think the the big challenge, which I think we're we're doing quite well in some areas, but is still to be done, is to integrate um, technical studies, scientific studies, with cultural studies. And you're in the right position to do it. Well, we're in a good position to do it, yeah. yeah. Professor Mark Pollard, thank you very much indeed. Thank you.